Welcome to season two of the Fearless Lady Podcast. I am your host, Charlene Light, and this season I am taking you on the biggest adventure of my life. I'm moving to Paris. I am a fearless coach and a soul guide here to inspire you as I navigate all things spiritual in the greatest city in the world, the City of Lights, Petty. After spending a year stepping into my fears at 40, I learned that everything that we truly desire is beyond our fear. We came here as soul not to achieve something, but to become something. So let's begin. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of The Fearless Lady. Ah, I can't even begin to tell you what's been happening. I know it's been a long pause since I have done a podcast, um, but as I will explain to you, Um, There's a good reason. First of all, you know, there were two things that, well, more than two things, but the biggest concern I had about moving to Paris was just about finding an apartment. Like, how am I going to find an apartment? I'm an expat. Um, There are so many stories on the internet, so many YouTube videos, literally, like you can look it up right now about how hard it is to find an apartment as an expat and as somebody who has their own business. So I'm not here for, I'm not under a work contract here. I'm not paying, you know, French taxes. I mean, there's just so many things, quote unquote, stacked against me to get an apartment. So I really was trying to be, I guess, consciously aware that that's not going to be my story. The idea that it's quote unquote, hard to find an apartment. I was like, nope, that's not going to be me. I'm going to show up to Paris. I'm going to be totally open to all possibilities. I understand as well that everything really is serving us in some way, right? And if there is something that um, I'm sort of buying into, right? A belief I'm buying into, it's because it, it's it's there for a reason and I can clear it. I can actually observe it, clear it, move on from it. And, you know, boom, I'm going to find my apartment <laughs> really easily. So all of that to say, um, when I, as I'm going to share in this episode, my journey to finding an apartment was really fascinating because I kept on being shown um, how my need for finding something quick and easy was actually a block, um, how my past experience in New York city, specifically of finding an apartment, how that was really, um, I carried that with me as sort of like baggage, meaning I was very aware that in the past, I didn't feel I had a choice. I was always living paycheck to paycheck for a lot of years in New York City. And so when I would find an apartment, I didn't feel like I had a choice. I would just say yes to whatever came to me. So I knew that coming to Paris, I was going to do things differently, that I was ready to do things differently. That's what this whole chapter of my life is about. And so as I share in this episode, you'll start to hear some of the things that I came up against, some beliefs that I had that I needed to clear, and just sort of how I navigated to actually signing my first lease for my first apartment in Paris. Woo! <laughs> so without further ado, I'm going to share my experience. Here you go. So I arrived March 1st, two months ago, and my intention was to just get an Airbnb for a month so that I can quickly and easily find an apartment because I just wanted to land somewhere. I wanted to just move once, unpack, and be done. 
And like I said, I didn't realize how this would be one of my biggest blocks was needing the quick and easy to happen in order for me to feel that this experience was going to be different because we're always trying to prove, well, most of us are, we're always trying to prove how we're different from our past. And so, like I said, I had such a stigma around this is going to be different. I'm going to show up. Things are going to be easy. I'm going to, you know, find a place and it's going to be expansive because I I was doing everything in my power, every single thing that I can think of to quote unquote control how I was going to find the apartment. So what happens the first week I'm in my Airbnb, actually the second or third day, I start to hear construction happening above me. So it's not like, you know, cute little construction um, outside the door that's like down the street. We're talking literally right above me. It's like literally in my head. It is so loud. It's horrible drilling every day. And at first I kind of was laughing about it because I just thought there's no way this is going to continue. Like it's almost so outrageous that (laughs) I just thought this has got to be a joke, right? Like it's going to go away. So I sent a text to the host of the Airbnb, which was like, you know, it was a company. It wasn't just a specific person, right? So I'm sending a a text to them. Do you know this is happening? Oh, it's going to go away. It's not going to happen every day, blah, blah, blah. So of course I believe them. The next day it happens again. And then I'm just like, okay, well, what are my options here? I, you know, I'm still doing sessions. I still have clients. So let me find a co-working space and do some of my sessions there. That's great. Maybe it's about me being out in the world more and not being stuck in my Airbnb. Like I'm trying to spin it. I'm trying to look at the positive because that's really who I am, right? And what I start to realize after a week of this, and and it's not changing, it's not getting better, is I am really trying to avoid getting angry. And the reason I say it in this way is because I didn't realize I was doing this, right? It wasn't conscious, but I'm like, why is this not going away? And I'm like, okay, if I were to, you know, zoom out and if I'm my soul giving me this experience to feel what? Well, God damn, it's like, it's literally asking me to get angry, right? And I'm like, well, what do I have against anger? Like, why don't I want to get angry, you know? Well, I remember growing up and being on the other side, the receiving end to a lot of people's anger when people would just react, right? Things would happen. I would get yelled at for no reason. And then, you know, apology would would come, but much later. But the feeling Like when somebody is angry and they like let it all out at you, like I know what that feel, what that feels like to be on the receiving end and it, it sucks. And I tend to shut down. So in my mind, and I wasn't aware of this until I, you know, started to ask my questions around like, well, why don't I want to get angry? I didn't want to get angry because I didn't think anger really served a purpose. I thought it was bad. I was judging my anger and I judged other people who would get angry. So here I was in the situation that literally was nonstop. I had to get angry because anger inspires action. And that's what I needed. I needed some sort of solution because everybody was giving me the runaround. The Airbnb host was not responding. I was talking to Airbnb support. They were giving me a different answer every single day. What I wanted was somebody to take control of the situation and say, oh, this is not right. Let's put you in another Airbnb. You don't have to pay one cent more. You know, We're just going to take care of this for you. That's what I wanted. That's what you would want, right? I just moved 
you know, 6,000 miles or across the world to be here. I've got three huge bags with me. The last thing I want to do is move out, right? So I'm trying to work with someone. It wasn't happening. I get angry. And then I also was angry angry because of um, I wanted to keep my phone number. So I'm having issues with T-Mobile. So I'm looking at the pattern going on and I'm going, okay, like this is really requiring me to get angry but in a way that's not going to hurt or harm someone else, if that makes sense. So anger as an emotion is really powerful and can be used for good because again, I needed to get angry to find a solution. So it allowed me to kind of um, transport all of this all of this energy that because I was feeling it energetically when you're listening to somebody do construction that sounds like they're banging your head. <laughs> You're going to feel it, right? And so I needed that energy to move out of me. So what I did was literally, um, I think I arrived on a Monday and on that following Monday, I just packed all of my stuff and I booked a hotel. I got an Uber to drive me to the hotel. Like I made this decision in like an hour. And the other thing that's funny about this is that um, when I initially made the Airbnb, um, like when I booked it, it didn't have any reviews. And normally I would never book something without reviews, but I saw it as like, oh, this is a really great place. It's got, it's a good price range. It's in the area that I want. So I just kind of looked past that. And because it was a company, I just looked up the company's other reviews and I'm like, well, that's fine. How bad can it be? So when all this was happening, of course, my ego was like, this is your fault. You didn't, you didn't book this place without reviews, blah, blah, blah. So you bet your butt that when I was looking for a hotel, the first thing I was looking for were reviews. I wanted to make sure it had all positive reviews and which this place did. So I go to this hotel and I walk in and I had all my bags and I was like, I want to stay a week, you know, maybe more. Cause again, I'm thinking maybe this is all happening. This is another thing that we do, or I do, I'm sure you do this too, is when you're in something, you try to analyze it and go, Oh, this is actually going to be better than I thought, because maybe this means I'm going to find the greatest apartment and I needed to get out. And that's why this is happening. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm looking for I'm now trying to channel all of this as like, there's a reason for all this. And it's because something even amazing is going to show up, right? Which when you're in something like that, we've got to let go of needing to analyze or needing a reason or needing it to make sense in some way. We just really have to feel our way through it. And so when I showed up to this hotel, um, I remember they looked at me like I was crazy because I'm like, I'm going to stay here a week, but maybe I'll, you know, extend it. And they're like, oh, well, you can't, you know, because on Saturday we're all sold out. And I was like, oh my God. So I had a moment of like, well, do I even stay here? Because again, I don't want to show up and then have to move again in just like another six days, you know? So I remember walking outside and just really going, okay, God source, like, what do I do? And I just got this feeling like, just stay, you're already here. So they ended up, um, oh, and by the way, there was no elevator, which I think is so funny because I was so busy looking at reviews, I forgot to add, to check and see if they had an elevator. And elevator is a big deal because I have all these bags, right? But of course, it's a hotel, so they helped me with my bags to bring it up to my room. And they did also give me an upgrade um, to their suite, which is kind of laughable because a suite here, or at least in that hotel, was nothing special. It was just room enough for all my bags. <laughs> um, so I thought that was really funny. So this begins my cycle of moving around from hotel to hotel. <laughs> 
So I stayed there a week and then I obviously had to move out. I didn't find anything. Actually, I did find an apartment that um, was through a third party, which means you're paying an agency fee as well as um, you're paying all of this money up front because um, they're basically taking care of like the majority of you know all the administration stuff. So like you're booking an apartment, it's furnished, it comes with internet, it comes with power, and you basically are paying for that. So it's it's definitely more expensive, but a lot of expats tend to do it because it's a quicker, easier way to find an apartment. So I did find an apartment through this um, agency, and but it was a studio, and I was very very particular about you know, I want this experience. I wanted to feel like I wanted a one bedroom. I just was like, I know that, you know, I had a studio in the past and I know that I'm going to have, you know, friends come or family come. And I want to have that separation of privacy. Like, and I know it's possible to get a studio here because the great thing about being in Paris or I think is that it's actually, the rent is not that expensive. Like it's doable. You can be in the center and the heart of Paris and I was I basically can get an apartment that's a one bedroom, whereas like in LA or New York, especially not in New York, but in LA, I would be paying more money. And then in New York, I'd be paying like twice as much. <laughs> I mean, so it's pretty reasonable here. So, anyways, I actually was approved for this apartment. It was a studio apartment. It was in the Marais, but it wasn't in the area that I like. It's a little bit more in the in the um the what they call the marsh. So it's a little further from the Seine River. And, but it did have a balcony. So in my mind, because I felt kind of like, oh, this could be the answer. I should just take it. And I remember talking to like my sister and she was like, oh, why don't you just take it? You can stay for six months. But I always felt I don't want to move again. Like, I don't want this to be where like, I'm here for six months, then I got to find another place in six months. Like that does not sound good to me. So, but maybe for like the first hour, um, I went along with it. I was like, great, I'm going to take this apartment. They sent me the lease. And something felt off and it was a very subtle shift. It was like in my body, I started to read the lease. Of course, it was all in French. So I'm like Google translating everything. I started to think about like, this is what's so interesting. And this is what I think we should all really consider when you make a big change, a big shift, right? Like for me moving here, um, things, it's very, very subtle when you realize you're slipping back to like old ways. And so this in particular was like, everything was showing me this was like a very easy solution to my problem. It would help me. I would have a home. Literally, I would have a home. I wouldn't have to move again for let's say six months or even a year or whatever I wanted. I was going to sign a year lease. Um, I wouldn't have to pay for another hotel. So it was like giving me all of the things that on paper I was solving the problem, right? except it didn't feel right. And so I said, no, I said, I did not move to Paris to settle. I knew, as I said, that this experience, this chapter of my life was about knowing I have choices and actually choosing the harder choice saying, you know what, if it's going to take me longer than a month to find my home, so be it, but this is not it. And God source, the creator, divine, whatever you want to call it, like, this is not it. Let's keep going. And that's what I did. I said no to that apartment. So, which meant I had to find another hotel. So I moved literally maybe seven minute walk to another hotel. I ended up getting a room. They actually upgraded me to um, a room with a balcony. So that was pretty awesome. But the thing about hotels is there's no kitchen. (laughs) 
So while I'm in Paris and it's great to eat out all the time, if I want to buy some cheese or if I want to have a snack, like it's just, there's nothing available for me to actually store it, right? So I started to get really antsy after being two weeks in a hotel situation with all of my stuff. Also laundry. I had to go to a laundromat, which is fine. These are, these again are not a big deal, but I was starting to crave the the feeling of being in an actual home. So Airbnb did end up refunding me the, the remainder of my stay of that other apartment. And they gave me a $220 credit, which is kind of laughable because I'm like $220 for all that aggravation to me doesn't seem worth it, but you know what? I'm grateful. And so I thought about, well, I could this last week of the month, I could just book another Airbnb and, um, and use that credit and I can have a kitchen, right? So that's what I did. (laughs) I ended up booking. So this is, are you counting? That's one, two, three. This is moving four times. Actually, no, three times in one month, three times, okay, with all of my stuff, three huge bags. So when I was looking for this last Airbnb place, you bet your ass, I'm looking for a place that has an elevator and I'm looking for a place that obviously needs to have a kitchen, right? Um, So I find a place in the 8th Arrondissement, which I thought was really cool because it's a new area. I can explore it. I can walk to the Eiffel Tower and see it, you know, glittering at night. So I was like, cool, I'll go there. So as I'm, you know, setting all of this up, I noticed on Facebook, um, somebody posted that they're looking for a sublet for the month of April and May. And she posted pictures of the apartment. It's a one bedroom. It's in the 10th arrondissement, which is an area that I'm very familiar with. If you've listened to last season's um, of, of the podcast, I started my fearless journey in Paris. I stayed in the 10th. I stayed in the Canal Saint-Martin and that's where this apartment was. So I saw it as like a huge sign. So I emailed the girl and right away she responds, we're going to meet. She's super cool. She's also American. And I meet up with her. And interestingly enough, right before I met up with her, I'm sitting in a cafe. Actually, no, I'm walking because I'm early. I'm always early to everything, by the way. And I'm walking and I I kind of see this girl sitting outside and she's like eating food or whatever. And I walk by her and she just gives me these eyes like what she's eating is really good. And I'm like, huh, maybe I'll just stop and eat at this, you know, lovely little cafe. So I sit down and we end up talking. Her name is Rania and she is so lovely. She lives in the area. She's telling me how great this restaurant is, da, da, da. We exchange information and just letting you know now we've become really good friends. So I met somebody right away. So I thought this is all a good sign. So I end up taking the sublet in the 10th for two months. I thought, this is great. It's going to give me time to explore, to unpack a little bit, and to not feel so much pressure to find something, right? So I take the sublet and I literally said to myself, okay, you're going to stop overanalyzing this whole situation. Stop looking for an answer. Stop thinking that everything means something. (laughs) um, I was like, I really understood. I was so attached to trying to find something that that was actually holding me back. So I just got off the topic, right? And I want to share a very poignant story that happened in New York um, because it's very, 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 very relevant to um, the whole idea that we can't always see how everything is conspiring for us, for our best and our highest good. So I'm going to share that with you right now. Um, When I was living in New York and I was at a job, I was at Spike Television, that was my corporate job, um, and I was miserable and I wanted to leave. I had just gone through yoga teacher training. And at that point, I was living on the Upper East Side and I had to move out. 
and I was in a bind. So I ended up taking this apartment that was so small in Williamsburg, but it was sort of like the shady part of Williamsburg, didn't have a closet. And I was miserable. And I was miserable at work, miserable at home. And my old roommate, Michael, my dear, dear friend, Michael, who I lived with in Astoria, Queens, said, why don't you just move back into this apartment in Astoria? You can have cheap rent. We can live together again. And I was like, hell to the no. I absolutely was like dead set. No, no, no. This is a bad idea because I felt like it was going backwards, right? So I had this in my head, in the back of my mind that he had offered me um, to move back there. And something shifted where I show up at work one day and I was like, wait a second, if I move back to that apartment, that will give me cheap rent. I can then maybe quit this job without having a job to go to and give teaching yoga a real shot because I just finished yoga teacher training, but I had no idea how to become a teacher or to like make it a career. It all seemed so hard. I was so desperate to leave that corporate job. I hated where I was living. So all of these things had to be in place for me to even consider Michael's offer, which was to move back to that apartment in Astoria. So what did I do? I called him up and I said, you know what, Michael, let's do it. So like literally within two weeks, he actually kicked somebody out for me, moved back to that apartment and I quit my job. So all of that to say, we cannot see when we're in something, how this is for our best and our highest good. I had no idea that 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 change and that shift would actually be the thing that I needed to actually propel me to my next chapter, which was becoming a yoga teacher, like doing it for a living. And so I look at that as an example for we don't always know what's for our best and our highest good. We can't possibly know, which is why we really have to be open to all possibilities. And also whenever you need an answer, whenever you're like really desperately trying to figure out and analyze why this is happening, that's your indication that the ego has got its grips all over this and you've just got to like step back, let go and let it flow. And I just, I, I really took that experience as an indication of like, I don't know what all of this is leading me towards, but I'm trusting that it's all happening for me and I'm just going to relax and surrender and let go. I also think about how every one of those things had to be in place in order for me to even consider that decision. I had to be so desperate. For me to say yes, it was almost like the universe was like, this is the only way she's going to really give teaching yoga. I mean, I guess there was a million other possibilities that could have happened, but for me, it's almost like I had to do that full circle and go back into that apartment because I also had to heal a lot of initial... um, like a broken heart. You know, I'm, I lived in that apartment when I first moved to New York. It had a lot of, um, those dreams that I had, like I, I had a lot of stigma or stuff to work through in that apartment. I got mugged in that apartment. Um, you know, there was a lot for me to go back to and to heal. So it's just so beautiful how, when you look back, you can really see how it was all here for you. And it's something that you can't see when you're in it. So long story short, your girl found an apartment that checked all the things, okay? So I finally found an apartment. It's in the Marais in the 4th. It's five-minute walking distance to the Seine River. 
It's a one bedroom. It has high ceilings. And I'm working with the direct to owner, meaning I don't have to work through an agency. I don't have to pay agency fees. I just pay the normal, you know, first months and then deposit. Um, And I swear to you, I, it's so funny how this happened because my family was in town last week and I had just been, you know, basically looking for apartments and like sending tons of emails and something shifted when I started to get really honest about my situation. So instead of just like sending emails, I started to write as myself, you know, I'm an American, I'm an expat. I have this amount um, in, in savings and, and checking. I'm, I also have clients. Like I just started to really share like what my dossier is, they call it. Cause you have to have a dossier, which explains your situation, which is all your paperwork. I explained it in the email to begin with, because then I thought that would just easily attract the right people to me, and it was true. So I get this phone call from this older woman. She want, you know, she's speaking very good English. She's like, um, "Why don't we set up a time for you to see the apartment?" I said, "Great," but I have family in town. She's like, "Well, what about Thursday?" I was like, "Okay, maybe Thursday." And then on Thursday, I was like so tired because my family's in town. I said, "I can't." And she's like, what about Saturday? Saturday comes around. I'm in London. So I kept pushing this off and she was still like, well, okay, well, we'll keep in touch. We'll keep in touch. And I thought that was so interesting, right? Because normally, you know, that does not happen, right? <laughs> At all. So I finally go see the apartment and she, so she's the mother of, her son is the one that owns the apartment and she is just the sweetest, kindest most loving woman ever. And we just hit it off. And the more that I just sat in that apartment talking to her and I'm showing her pictures of my family, I'm showing her my website so she can see like what I do. I just really instantly felt just so comfortable. And, you know, there's two big windows. It looks out on this little street. I said, I wanted something that was going to make me remind me that I'm in Paris and it's right there, but it's not a super busy street. You're away from like the tourist area and basically, I get an email that evening after I submitted my all of my paperwork, my dossier, that said that um, they agreed that I would be the best person for this apartment. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know. <laughs> so it's very exciting. And um, I'm just, it's just so funny how we don't know. Again, we can't connect the dots. Like when we're in something, we just kind of have to move through it with grace and with um a sense of like, you know, I've said this all along that that to me, this chapter of being in Paris is not about settling. It's about calling to my my higher self, the one who's successful and abundant and who knows who she is and walks into spaces and is confident. I mean, right away when I walked into this apartment and I saw the couch that they had, I was like, you know, this couch, it's very old I because it's furnished. It's a furnished apartment. And I was like, would you be willing to give me a new couch or at least talk about it? So I was like already from the get-go, like sitting there telling them that I don't like their couch and I want a new couch. And I mean, these are things that I don't know if I would have ever had the confidence to do in prior years. Do you know what I mean? I would have just been like, whatever, whatever, okay, whatever you need, I'll, I'll just do whatever, I'll just take whatever. And this time I have a voice and I'm using it. And so right away when she said that they accepted my my um, my files, so right away they already gave me an option for a new couch, which is what I wanted. So <laughs> these are very, very um, important details because 
when you want and you have a vision for your life and how you want it to be, you have to remember that all of these things add up. Everything matters. Every moment matters. And so for me, this was just a beautiful, beautiful learning experience and, and how to move through all of this with, with grace and with, you know, the sense of like, I know this is happening for me. And anytime I felt or observed sort of triggering, um, a response, that kind of thing, I just went in, I did my, uh, my own belief clearings and, um, and I was able to move through it. And so it's, this stuff is really beautiful and powerful. And I feel like I'm on the other side of something that took me a very, very long time to realize, which is that really, we truly are co-creating our lives. And the more that we can be open to all possibilities and to know that we have a choice in this life, that we are co-creators, the more things will start to open up and there will be a sense of ease. When all was said and done, I definitely even questioned because it happened so easily. I started to question, maybe this is like a terrible place and I shouldn't live here. Like the ego will just work tirelessly to keep you where you are. So just remember that, that sometimes when you get the thing that you want, you're still going to be doubtful about it because the ego is so, so um, shrewd in spinning an old program in your mind, which is telling you, oh, no, 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 it's not as great as you think. Oh, no, 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 there's this wrong and this wrong and this wrong and this wrong and this wrong. So I spent many nights questioning if this was the right place. And here I am already. I moved in the very first... Um, morning that I woke up, I opened my windows and outside my windows, I heard La Vian Rose playing, blasting outside. I don't know who it was, somebody walking by, a band, whatever, but I took it as the biggest sign, like, girl, you are home. You are home. So that concludes this episode of The Fearless Lady, how I found my first Parisian home, how I signed my lease. Oh, and I also got a bank account, which is like the two things that everybody talks about is the hardest thing to get here. Um, and I did it. So I am so happy, relieved. Every morning I've been walking to the Sin River. I feel like I'm living in a dream. This has just been such a beautiful, beautiful um, experience, and I'm so, it's worth it. For those that are listening that are dreaming about going somewhere, leaving a job, moving somewhere far, yes, it's going to take work. Yes, you're going to have to work through a lot of doubt and a lot of fear, but I promise you, it is so worth it. And by the way, you want to work through all of that? I'm here to help you work through it. <laughs> you can sign up for a free um, mini coaching session with me, or you can book a soul reading and belief clearing with me. Um, I will link those in the show notes. And thank you so much for listening. Let me know what you... Um, um, what, what your biggest takeaways from this episode were. And I look forward to doing another episode, hopefully not so far away. <laughs> Take care, everyone. Au revoir.